Now, after all that housekeeping, good morning. It's good to see each one of you today. I'm very excited about being here today and um, been very anxious about this week, been preparing for it very, very much this week, and uh, just very excited. Um, I want to thank Josh for giving me this opportunity today. He asked me a couple of months ago, and of course, my mind began to race about, you know, what would God have me to speak about? It wasn't very hard to hear that, that message from him. There was no doubt. I did not look for something to, that was my pet peeve. Um, you know, I'm glad here at our church we believe in preaching through the books of the Bible. Uh, I would not want to be a topical preacher. In other words, I would not want to find something this week that really caught my attention and find Scripture to support what I thought. Um, so my responsibility today is to, to preach to you, and I can't go through a whole book, nor would you want me to, but I will speak from Genesis chapter 1 today. And let's read Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness He called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so. And God called the expanse heaven. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together He called seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth sprout, sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed and fruits, fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning the third day. And God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years, and let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. And God said, let the water swarm with swarms of living creatures. Let the birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds 
and every winged bird according to its kind, and God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful, and multiply, and fill the waters and the seas, and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening, and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things, and beasts of the earth according to their kinds, and it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds, and the livestock according to their kinds, and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make man in our own image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that, ha that has breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that He made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you created all things. And according to your word, everything you made was good. And it was pleasing in your sight. Father, we thank you that you created us. We pray today that we would gain a greater understanding of just how precious life is, how precious our lives are, and how wonderful and the most important things, how glorified you are to be. Our goal today, my goal today, is to glorify you, Father. And may we do that as a church. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. You know, when I was preparing for this, I thought back to our new city catechism. And many of you probably got a copy of this. And if you don't, there's some out here. And I thought about New City Catechism, question number four, and it was, how and why did God create us? God created us male and female in His own image, and to know Him, love Him, live with Him, and glorify Him. And it is right that we who were created by God should live to His glory. Live to God's glory. You know, uh, there's some some kind of um, uneasiness when we start thinking about created in God's image. We think, what does that really mean? What does it mean to be created? Well, one thing we can rule out, well, we're not formed in a physical sense like God. Where we're, we're like God is our attributes of God are seen through us. Um, I'll look back to Genesis 1.26 very quickly. Let us make man in our image after our likeness. There are things about us that represent God. Now, there's a lot of different things, and I'll get into a little bit more of that, but we're talking about our 
characteristics. We're not talking about what we look like. We're talking about our characteristics that others would see God through us. And His likeness, His representation. So, um, John Piper said in, uh, in one of his uh, books, he said, humankind was created to be a graphic image of the Creator, a formal, visible, and understandable representation of who God is and what He's really like. So when we think about when we think about our representation of God, it's the attributes and characteristics that we have. And we may not have all of them, but we have things about us. And what separates us from the animals is that because God has placed this on us of great importance because we're in the likeness of God. God created us for His glory. Now, a lot of you, a lot of our society would be shocked that God did not create you so that you could have life to its fullest. I think, I'm thankful that when we come here and we hear the word, Josh never preaches about, if you'll just do this, you'll have $1,000 next week. Or how, if you just are a good person, good things will come your way. Is the scripture sufficient? Yes. Why would we need to promise people riches? So I'm thankful for Josh that he's very faithful. So why did God create us? Absolutely, it's for His glory. We see in Scripture, in uh, John chapter 17, he, you know, God didn't need to create us. I think a lot of people are thinking that God created us just so we can be happy, just so we can be rich. But God created us for His glory. He created a man and a woman for His glory. It says in John chapter 17, verse 5, and now, Father, glorify in me your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. God was perfectly satisfied with the Trinity. He didn't need anything else. The Trinity was enough. He was happy in that. In verse 24, he says, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. God was perfectly satisfied and perfectly fulfilled in the Trinity. Why did He make us? To glorify Him. I think we lose track of that very often. I think that we begin thinking that every day of our life is about us. And what we can gain, what we can have, it's about us. But I think if we really humble ourselves and say, you know, this is not about me. What is God wanting to do with me? What is He wanting to do with me that will glorify Him? We know that God places high value on human life because He tells us in chapter 6, I mean the 6th commandment, Exodus 20, 13, Thou shalt not kill. That means you should not murder someone with premeditation. And the wages of that is death. If you killed somebody, you murdered somebody, the wages of that was death. And he tells us that nine sixes. Nine sixes, the penalty for that is death. Now, let's see what John, John, John Piper, and I read some more comments about John. 
Piper. He said that every single human being, no matter how much the image of God is marred by sin, or illness, or weakness, or age, or any other disability, still, that person still has the status of being in God's image, and therefore must be treated with dignity and respect that is due to God's image bearer. So when we start talking about image bearer, or getting that in our mind, thinking about what an image bearer of God, or the image of God is, the fact that man is in the image of God means that a man is like God in the following ways. Intellectual ability, moral purity, spiritual nature, dominion over the earth, creative, creativity, ability to make ethical choices, and immortality. What I, I hope that we can take from this morning, first two points is that God created us and we have value. And because God created us, we have great value. That is our only source, I think, of anything about us that we really should feel as good as that God loved us enough to create Him for His glory. You know, we've seen a lot lately about life. You've all seen it. If you watch the news, you've seen it. It's difficult to talk about this. Life matters. We hear black lives matter. Blue lives matter. All lives matter. We're forgetting somebody. What about the unborn? We can say that X amount of people were killed. X amount of people are being abused or mistreated. What about the babies? What about the children? I'm going to read you some statistics. In my career at Halliburton, it was all about numbers, and so I, I kind of like numbers to base, to gather data, and that's what I did for many, many years. When you start thinking about uh, causes of death, would anybody want to guess the first, the leading cause of death in U.S. as recorded by the CDC? Abortion, but that's not recorded by the CDC. The CDC, Center of Disease Control, reports that heart disease is the number one killer of, of people. In 2017, 647,000 people. Cancer was followed with nearly 600,000. Accidents, nearly 170,000. Respiratory disease, 160,000. Strokes, 146,000. Alzheimer's, 121,000. Diabetes, 83,500. The flu, and this is not counting the pandemic we're in now, but the flu was 56,000. The kidney failure, 51,000. Suicide, 47,000. 16,000 people were murdered in 2017. So you see from 
these ten, top ten causes of death, you don't see abortion, do you? Why? Because it's not considered, because I guess because it's legal to have an abortion, you're not going to see these numbers, but there are numbers out there. The leading cause of, that I say for Americans today is abortion. You would be surprised how many babies are aborted each day. In 2017, there were 3.8 million babies born. There were 862,000 who were not born by the choice, the choice of abortion. In 2017, up to 20% of all pregnancies ended in abortion. Our country, which we consider a Christian nation, is 10th in the world in abortions. And did you know that from 1973 to 2017, that 60 million babies were aborted? That's, that's, more, than, that's uh, more than double Texas state of Texas, that's more than double their population. Now, I've given you a lot of numbers, but I really want to tell you is that the concerns me the most is the views about that, not from the outside world, not from non-believers, but from Christians. Would you be surprised that if I told you 55% of Christians support abortion. Are you shocked? Are you concerned? Are you saying, well, yeah, that's probably right? I'm very concerned about that. That 55% of people who profess as Christians support abortion. The reasons for abortions listed in some of the states that did research, well, the number one reason was that 25% said, I'm just not ready for a child. 23% said, I can't afford a baby. 19% said, I'm through having children. 8% said, they don't want to be a single mother. And 7% said, I'm not mature enough to raise a child. And the, the thing that we hear a lot about in this reproductive choice argument is that women will say, I have a right to make health choices for my body. And I agree with, I agree with that. But I have to draw the line when it becomes the life of a baby. I cannot, I cannot, after reading the scripture and studying and just knowing my heart, that that is something that I could never support. Because it's based off the scripture. The reason that a lot of pro-choice people have is they say, well, what about rape and incest? Do you know what percentage that is typically? 0.5%. 0.5%. So, and did you know also as well that most abortions are done by unmarried women? 
in their 20s. And then another shocking thing is that 40% of minors who have abortions say neither one of their parents knew they had an abortion. How is that even possible? So I've given you a whole lot of information and, and numbers on abortion. And bear with me just a second. I have lost one page of what I was going to speak about today. There it is. I heard a young person one time say that uh, they, were, they were given a graduation address and they said that they were you know, basically going to go out and conquer the world. They'd conquered high school, now they're going to conquer the world. That they were going to be a voice for those who had no voice. I automatically thought, well, they must be talking about abortion. Because I don't know of any other segment of our population that doesn't have a voice. Well, I'm not sure that that was the case. I don't think that that's actually what she was talking about. But I'm presenting that to you today. What about that? Who is the voice for the unborn? This is, to me, uh, something that's just, to me, it's unfathomable that we can think that so many Christians uh, don't really have an, a problem with abortion. Why? Why is our view, why does a Christian view on abortion the way it is? Why do we view that with such insignificance that we would just, you know, just say, well, it's just really got not, not even get a, uh, an answer from folks. It's, it's the law. It's okay to do it. But I'm telling you that there is a problem in the churches. There is a problem within our churches if we don't know where we're going to stand on abortion. Life is precious. God told Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 1. Before you were in the womb, I knew you. I predestined you. I had a purpose for you. God knows us while we're in the womb. And He has plans for us. And He's going to use us. So I have to wonder, are we not preaching sufficiently the Scripture? Are we not sufficiently preaching the Word? 2 Timothy, chapter, 2 Timothy chapter 4, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they help to themselves teachers, having it ching in their ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned into fables. You know, I was, I was talking to someone, a young lady here a while back about she was struggling in her faith and she was talking to friends that... Uh, had so many viewpoints on Christianity. And she said, well, I believe this, and I believe that, and I believe this. And I said, but what does the Scripture say? What does the Scripture say? And then it was like a light bulb went off. I said, if you really want to, to know, to base your opinion, base this fall for research of the Bible. See what the Scripture says. 
Another thing that concerns me are pastors selling out. Our pastors selling out. Perhaps you've got a, an influential member in your church who gives a lot of money. And you're a small church and you don't want to offend that person. And so they have a strong view that, that abortion is okay in their eyes and so the pastor gives in. Listen, we have got to stand on the Word. We have got to stand firm in the Word. It is not about what we think. It's not about what we believe. It's about what the Scripture says. I'm telling you today that life is precious. All life is precious. So how can we make, give a voice to those without a voice? I think we need to... This is the thing. In love, we have to confront this. I don't think we can go at this, this thing in anger. Uh, I think we have to come at it in love. You know what? The reason that, that uh, I love, that I'm so heartbroken about the number of abortions is I love babies. And I know how precious babies are. Many of you have young, young children. They are precious. Oh, late at night you may not think so. <laughs> but when they're asleep, Oh, and you think, oh, what a, what a precious child that is. And then after they've been up for a few minutes, things might change a little bit. They are precious. They are so precious. And you know, I just know that within my heart that a baby in the womb is precious before God. I don't have that choice to take a baby's life. I'm concerned about Christians who say that they do. I want us, you know, I've, I've been in church for a long time, and I know that not everybody in a church thinks the same way. I know that. Actually, I, I've lived it. Bert, Jan have lived it. Sean's lived it. And some of the others have been here for a long time. We've seen people's viewpoints, and it's not always right. The church to them is about this or that. They get into legalism. There's just various things. But we know that one thing that we must hang our hat on, and the Scripture affirms it, is that life is precious. Life is sacred. And we should treat it as such. Now, the other thing that here that I want us to consider is that perhaps you've known somebody that's had an abortion. Perhaps you've had one. When I was young and 20 years, or so, 20 years of age or so, I had a family member who had an abortion, and I thought, eh, it's no big deal. Oh, my opinion has changed so much then, since then because I didn't know then what I know now. I didn't know the significance of human life. I didn't know how precious life was, but my attitude has changed over the years. I see, and, and I may be one of those people that say, I just think that in all circumstances, a baby deserves to live. 
all circumstances. I will, you know, I used to say, well, if it's just one half of a percent of people having abortion because of incest, then I'll, yeah, that's fine. I'm not, I don't think that anymore. I think the best way to look at that is let the baby be born. Let it be born. If you don't want it, somebody does. I know that people that have had abortions and they have issues with dealing for that for the rest of their lives or for a good part of their life. It's just, and that's the part I'm talking about is when you love somebody, you don't want them to have abortion because one thing, the baby's life is precious, but so is theirs. So we can't just put these people that have abortion and say, oh, they're going to go to hell. We've got to love them as much as we do the babies. So how do we reach them? How do we reach people? And how do we... It's tough. It's going to be a hard thing to deal with that. You've got to love the people who are having abortions. Love them through it because I guarantee you they're going to deal with issues later on that they're going to need help with. Um, Sandy's involved with the Caris Pregnancy Center and she could probably tell you some things that, that I don't know. But we have Caris Pregnancy and Center in Duncan. I think uh, we, Josh told me we had some information, some literature on it right now. Uh, if you've got somebody that's contemplating an abortion, please have them go to the Caris Center. Um, if you've known somebody that's struggling because, and they say, I can never re be right before God because... I've had an abortion. Tell them, you know, you can be right before God if you will repent. God can give you freedom from your sins. He can restore you. That is not the end of your story. It doesn't have to be the end of the story. It can be beginning of a new story. So I will close in this. Our... attitude towards abortion, in my opinion, based on the Scripture, is all life is precious. God created us. Because, because God created us, we are of great value. Every human life is of great value. And let us just lead our brothers and sisters it's important that churches know the Scripture. We base our decisions off the Scripture. And uh, we don't say, I believe because I believe. I believe because Scripture tells me so. And let's pray, let's minister to those who've committed abortion. Let's love them and help them to come to know Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank You for today. I thank You for Your wonderful blessings. And I just pray, Father, that we not forget about the unborn. When we hear everything on TV today, there just seems to be an elephant in the room. Why doesn't somebody address it? People are murdered. People are dying of disease. People are mistreated. What about the babies? I pray that we as Christians would stand up and be a voice for those babies. Let's just not go through our lives thinking, well, God will take care of it. He will. He'll take care of it. But ask ourselves, what can we do? How can we show our respect for the sanctity of life? 
Lord, please give us wisdom. Please give us guidance. And we give you praise for all your gracious gifts. Amen.